is the Holy Spirit. Does he speak in tongues? Does he baptize? Is he charismatic? Is he Pentecostal? Is he a person? We have started a series about three weeks ago. The topic is the Holy Spirit, God with me. And the title is the God who fulfills me. And I grew up in a Catholic church, and this is very important for you to know, because for me as a Catholic, the Holy Spirit was a topic. We never spoke about it. It was me like a topic far away. And I will not forget the day when I got saved. Uh, I met some very hyper-charismatic people. And they spoke in tongues and have done many crazy Holy Spirit weird things. And I will never forget in the beginning I was always shocked about the Holy Spirit because it's unreal, it's unseen and people reacting in a very unique way, right? And for me it was always a big tension in that topic. But through the years I learned that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. If you're not weird, he is not weird too. And he knows exactly how to win your heart. And I want to start with a question. We know that John was a baptized, right? We know that John was a baptized. Then, was Jesus a Pentecostal? That's a question. Just a question. I want to start with Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when, when, we, when I read this Bible verse, we have to understand the content, the setting, and the background. Because when, they, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let's pause for a moment because we read this Bible text so easily because here is a nugget in the text. They met in the day of Pentecost. In the original text, it's not the word Pentecost. It's actually the day of Shavuot. Because in the Jewish calendar, the first, the third, and the seventh month of the calendar, they had three major festivals. And here in the background, you see the three major festivals the Jewish people celebrated. For example, they came together for the Pesach. The Pesach is split up in three festivals, actually. And Shavuot, it's actually the day of Pentecost. When they came together, it's actually, they remind themselves about the Torah. Then is the Sukkot, it's the Tabernacle Festival. It's split up of three festivals, well, altogether seven festivals. Why is that so important? Because there were, there were a reason why they were in Jerusalem. Because often people think they were waiting and waiting for the Holy Spirit. But actually, the Jewish people and the Christians, they were in Jerusalem because of the festival. And they remind themselves what in the beginning God did. For example, the, the day of Shavuot, they remind themselves there was a day at the Mount of Sinai when God gave the Ten Commandments. And this was the setting they talked about when they came together in Jerusalem to remember the day of the Shavuot, the Ten Commandments. This is the setting. That day when the Christians came together in Jerusalem, they said, you remember the day? Cloud, thunder, fire, and all of a sudden God gave us 
the Ten Commandments laws to follow. That day they spoke about that what happened in the Old Testament. And now I want to teach you something. The Holy Spirit repeating the same story, but only a little bit different. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Actually, the same thing years later happened again. Wind, cloud, fire, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came down before the Ten Commandments were given, but now on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. What's the difference? Here is the thing, because in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 26, and that Bible verse all of a sudden were fulfilled. I will give you a new heart and put the new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. For the Christian Jewish people, they were like, wow. Why was the wow? Here's the thing. If you try to follow the laws, the Ten Commandments, what we figure out, we are actually not able to follow them, right? We fail all the time. And even in the Old Testament, people tried to follow the Ten Commandments, but failed all the time. But the Spirit of God, what He's doing is one of His biggest jobs. He takes the Ten Commandments and brings to a life that we are able to follow it. I'll give you a very simple explanation. For example, the Bible says, do not commit adultery. It's in the Ten Commandments. What we usually do is say, oh, I don't commit adultery. Oh, 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 this is a beautiful woman. Oh, no, I don't look at her. No, I don't look at her. Not from the front, not from the back. No, my eyes are fixed on Jesus. No, I don't look at her. I fight, I fight. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. you dream or do. So often, I should not commit adultery because adultery starts with the eyes, Right? No, I don't commit adultery. No, I don't do it. We try to follow the law. You know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's saying to you, you are not in the position to look at this woman because the wife you married, she is still the one. Do you understand the difference? The Spirit of God takes the principle and says, Come on, your wife is still on fire. She's more beautiful than the rest of the world. There is no reason for adultery. That's the difference. Old Testament, it's law. The Spirit of God takes the law, brings the heart in you, and all of a sudden, there is no longing anymore for adultery. And that's a brand new thing written in your heart. Even when you don't read the Bible, the conscious, the Holy Spirit is following you all the time. That sometimes you don't read the Bible, you sit in the restaurant, whom God speaks to you, go and pay for that person next to you. This is always something in your heart. And I want to give you three points out of that festivals, uh, what we can learn. First, point number one, the Holy Spirit connects and here in Acts chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, and I want to underline certain words. 
Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jewish from every nation under heaven. I want to underline every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Here's the word bewilderment. Because each of one heard their own language being spoken. Here are three words. The words bewilderment means actually amazed. It's, it's not, there are different meanings in that word, but the original text means they were like, wow. Amazed, it's not the same thing like irritated. Because when I heard for the very first time a person speaking in tongues, I was irritated. I was confused. But here the Bible said, when they heard people speaking tongues, they say like, wow, what's going on here? Here are more nuggets than you can ever think or imagine. Because every nation under heaven, language being spoken. Because for a moment, they realized what's going on here. Because in the beginning of the Bible, there were one nation and they tried to build a tower to Babel. A huge tower. And they said, we are one nation, we are strong, we can achieve everything. And the Bible says they were very proud and very arrogant people. Proud. But in that moment, they spoke one language. One language. God is saying he resists the proud people, right? And as a curse, he splitted all the languages. And they were not able to understand each other anymore. And they left to all different nations. And in that day, different languages, different cultures, and different ethnic groups started. Do you have the picture? Why they were amazed? Because from every nation, the people came together. That's the background. From every nation meant they were not able to understand each other. This is because of a curse. And when the Spirit of God on the Pentecost day was poured out, all the people from all the nations, ethnic groups, cultures, backgrounds, for the very first time, they were able again to understand the language. Because the Spirit of God spoke in a language that everybody was able to understand again. And after the Holy Spirit was poured out, they said, let's build God a new house. Let's build the kingdom of God and go out into the world and present the gospel to every tribe, to every nation. And they were very humility. Humility. And here is the thing. They were amazed because the job of the Holy Spirit is what was cursed to connect you again with the presence of God. We are amazed. Sometimes people walking in our church, they are sick. And also the Holy Spirit heals them and they're walking out renewed, fresh, restored. People coming in broken in life 
They have no future, no hope anymore. The Holy Spirit connects them with a new future, with new hope. They're going out and the presence of God is still new in their heart. The job of the Holy Spirit is to connect each other. Let's pause for a moment. We have people here, we are an international congregation, right? We have people from all over the world. Different languages, different ethnic backgrounds. We are so different, right? But the job of the Holy Spirit is in a church service. The moment when we start to praise Jesus, we are united. You can sit to a person who has three cars and you don't have even one car. You can sit to a person who is very smart and you are very simple. It doesn't matter. All of a sudden, you feel connected. You praise Jesus Christ together because the Holy Spirit's job in a church is to connect different people, different languages, different any group, to one cause, to one vision, to build the kingdom of God. Come on. This is what the job of the Holy Spirit is. They were amazed about that amazing fact. Or another example, if you have a small group, if you're leading your own small group, for example, you're inviting a person for the very first time, you have never met that person before, he comes into your house, you never met that person, he sits there, and we have the feeling that after 10 minutes in a conversation, we feel, I know this person for the last 20 years. Why is that so? That's the Holy Spirit is connecting different people you never met in one language. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in the end, stay united. Because the goal of the devil is always to reverse the thing. He tries to break the unity into we are proud again. But the job of the Spirit is stay focused in one vision. We have a church a vision statement. Why we have a vision statement? Because church is not about ICF. Church is not about Leo Bicker or Björn Schäfer. Björn Schäfer is an amazing name, but it's not about Björn Schäfer. Not even about Leo the Bigger. A church must have a vision. And our vision is, as a church, it's our passion that people become more like Christ. Our passion is that people become more like Christ. My goal is not become more Swiss. Or more American. It's never about the American, never about Swiss. It's always about Jesus. That's our mission. Lively fearlessly and change the environment positively. Our goal is that you're walking out with the power of the Holy Spirit and you know I can make a difference. You're not here for the church. The church is here for you. To empower, to equip you that you know God lives in me. The point number two, what we can learn about the day of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit revives. Let's go into the first Pentecostal in the Old Testament. It was actually when the law was given. Let's go into the setting one more time. The law of the Old Testament. When the law was given in the Old Testament, Moses was so excited. God was excited too. But when it came down from, from the mountain, the people were crazy. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 28, that day about 3,000 of people died. Here's the word about. One more or less, it's about. 
Let's see the first Pentecostal day in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit was given. Here is the setting again. The law was written in your heart. And that day when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 verse 41. And here is an amazing link. About 3,000 people. Here's the word again about. One more or less. Were added to the number that day. The same number. But a different story. The Bible is saying the law has the tendency to kill you. But the Spirit. The Spirit of God is written in our conscience, in my heart. He is leading and guiding me, and He brings things alive. Look, here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. Wherever, whatever situation you face in your life, He has always a solution. I want to go to an amazing story. I read it in my summer break. His name is Conley Sanders. I'm not sure if you heard about that dude already. But let's go through this life. At the age of five, his father died. At the age of 16, he broke off school. The age of 17, he'd been released already from four jobs. At the age of 18, he married. At the age of, age of 19, he became a small daughter. At the age of 20, his wife and the kids left him. At the age of 22, he applies for army to be a lawyer. Refused, rejected, rejected, loser. At the age of 24, he decided, I want to be, become a cook. I'm a very, very good cooker. But even he was rejected. There was only one job in a small, tiny cafe to be a dishwasher. From the age 24, to the age of 65, he was a dishwasher, faithful in his life. Cool, huh? Don't complain about your job. When he was retired, he got a check from the U.S. Army, USA Department. 105 U.S. dollars money per month. When he got that news, $105 a month, he knew, I'm not able to live with that amount. He decided that day, I will quit my life. He walked to a special tree. He prepared everything. And he said, I'm a loser. I'm not even able to live with 105 US dollars a month. And he said, I will quit my life. The job of the Holy Spirit is, dear church, there's always a moment in your life you want to give up, you want to quit, you have no clue anymore what is the next solution. And in that moment, he hears a voice. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. You have an idea, a feeling, a voice in your belly. Before you quit your life, just take a piece of paper and think if you are able to restart your life, how would it look like? It was just an idea. 
He said, okay, before I end my life, let's rethink my life. And he started writing certain things down. And he realized, I had so many dreams, I had so many visions, but I have never the courage to step out and to try something because I was afraid to fail. And then he said to myself, I'm not a good cook. There's one area. I am the best cook on planet Earth. Nobody can cook chicken like me. And then he had an idea and said, why I have never tried to open my own chicken company. Instead of killing himself, he went to his best friend and said, give me some money. I need 87 US dollars. I have to buy chicken and oil and I'm going to try new chicken things. And he invented the best chicken things ever in planet life. And then in Kentucky... He went from home to home and said, I have new chicken. And I tried. And people were like, whoa, we have never eaten something before. Wow, how cool is that? And he knew this chicken is the best on planet Earth. He went to the first restaurant and asked, can I sell my recipe? 1,009 restaurants said no. Please, find a way to win. Don't quit. Don't quit because restaurant 1010 is always around the corner. And the restaurant 1010 said, yes, we want to have your recipe. To make a long story very short, Kentucky Fried Chicken was born. In the age of 88, he became a multi, 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 multi millionaire. And now, Kentucky Fried Chicken has 20,000 branches in 123 countries. Come on! When you go there, you see, wow, cool, what cool. Here is the thing. Kentucky Fried Chicken was born in a moment when he said, I'm a loser. I will quit. I will give up. I will end my life. We're facing sometimes a season in our life. We feel like failure. We feel like loser. In that moment, I promise you right now, there is the job of the Holy Spirit. To revive you. To revive you. Because he came to give you ideas, dreams, ambition, visions. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. I want to close the message with the last point. The Holy Spirit fulfills and let's go to an amazing Bible verse where usually it's one Bible verse who splits the churches in so many different churches. And here is in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. They saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the, whole, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Usually what happens about that Bible verse, if you study theology, there are two major thinking. One group, they say, yeah, the Holy Spirit was pulled out and spoke in tongues because it was the birth of the church. When the church was alive, the speaking in tongues stopped. And there are many reasons of the Bible why the speaking in tongues stopped. That's a very good explanation for those people. They are afraid about the supernatural. But there's another group that say, no, no. The speaking of the Holy Spirit is a sign that you are born again. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not born again. Speaking in tongues is a sign you are born again. And people ask me, what do you believe? I say, I believe that to start the church and you understand the Tower of Babel, it was actually to bring the world together with one cause. And I believe, because Paul is saying to the church of Corinthian, God gives different gifts. Some have the gifts of prophecy, of healing, and speaking in tongues. It's one kind of a gift. It's not the gift. It's an important gift. And I believe, yes, in the beginning for everybody, but then came a season where it's a unique and specific gift. But now I want to ask you something even deeper. Because in that topic, the church is confused so often. How do you receive Christ? How do you receive Christ? By faith. You can do nothing. It's just by faith I expecting receiving Christ, right? How do I receive Christ? By faith. I receive him by faith. How do I receive the Holy Spirit? By faith. It's exactly the same thing. If I receive Christ by faith and the Holy Spirit by faith, he lives in me. Why is that so important? Because even believing in Christ is by faith. It's not by work, it's by faith. Can I receive that in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and I will come almost to an end. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Everyone who in you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter is preaching, 3,000 people got saved, and he is saying something, baptize, forgive your sins, and receive the Holy Spirit. For more than 350 years after Christ, the church had one strategy about that Bible verse. I want to show it to you, like the first 350 years. Turn around means I go in my own ways and I turn around and I try to follow Christ. Means I'm focusing on Christ. And the first church, the first 350 years, you turned around and before you baptized, you stood in front of the baptism and you confessed all your sins, all your failures. And then the priest came and he forgave you and he delivered you from all demons. They were casting off demons was normal for the early church. When all the demons were kicked out and all your sins are forgiven, then you stepped into the basket and you say, I am baptized and my life is no more. Christ lives in me 
And from this very moment on, I'm washed, I'm cleaned by the power of the Holy Spirit, and my life belongs to Christ. And after you were baptized, you stepped out, and here comes the cool part. The priest came, he laid his hand on you and oiled you, that you are receiving the Holy Spirit. And some people start to speak in tongues, and some people were just filled in the power of the Holy Spirit. This was a normal ritual for the first 350 years. What's happened today? People coming to church, they receive Christ. And after 40 years, oh, I feel now it's time for me to be baptized. I say, give me a break. When you read the Bible, following Christ, saying yes to Jesus, kept baptized, was always in the same time. Always. Always. The same thing. People are living together. After 20 years, let's marry it. Huh? What's, I don't get it. Something is flipping wrong. Here's the thing. If you receive Christ, you are get baptized. And after you're baptized, we will lay our hands on you. And we pray for the Holy Spirit. Because everybody's new in the church. We ask them, come to get free weekend. Where we confess our sins. We are baptized. And after that, we anoint the people that you are able to receive the Holy Spirit. This is the proper way how it goes. And the next Bible verse, and I like about it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39. And here are three words again. Because sometimes people say, the speaking tongues was only for a certain moment. And it's Over forever. Here, third 39. The promise is for you. That means for Peter and all the disciples. And your children. Peter, all the children you will have. Now comes the next word. And for all are far off. For all the people that will live somewhere on planet earth. To whom the Lord of God will call. This Bible verse is saying it's not ending. The Spirit of God is pouring out all the time to everybody, to every person, wherever you live. How can you receive the Holy Spirit? By faith. How can you receive Jesus Christ? By faith. I want to close with an amazing story. His name is Dr. Peter Lord. He's a pastor in Florida. And he invented the amazing story, maybe you heard about it, about the chicken and the eagle, where they put some eagle eggs, put it under the chicken, and he grew up, and they thought, I'm a chicken, but actually he's an eagle. And he invented that story, and I say thousands of people around the world, they're using that story. He grew up in a Bible school, and he grew up in a church where they believed that the speaking in tongues was only for a season. And speaking in tongues is no more. It came to an end. This is how he grew up. And he teached and preached that to his whole church. Speaking in tongues was only for Pentecost Day. When the church was invented. That's it. This is what he believed and teached. And one morning he was reading the Bible. And he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus asked him, Have you received the Holy Spirit? He was confused. Yes, of course, Jesus. I mean, I'm a preacher. I mean, if I don't have the Holy Spirit, of course, He lives in me. 
In that season, when Jesus asked him the question, his mother-in-law moved in his house. And he wasn't quite happy about that. I'm not sure if you're happy your mother-in-law lives in your house. And Jesus asked him, your mother-in-law lives in your house. Have you accepted her? He said, uh, not fully. God said, ah. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit lives in your house. But you haven't accepted him fully. Because you believe that speaking in the tongues, it's no more. And in that moment he realized, it's not a question, do you have received the Holy Spirit? It's more the question, does the Holy Spirit live fully in you? I mean in every area, in every aspect of your life. And I want to close the message this afternoon. I don't want to ask you, do you have the Holy Spirit? You will say, yes, of course, Pastor Leo. I want to ask you the question, does the Holy Spirit live fully in you? In every area, in your finances, in your sexuality, in your visions, in your dreams. Lives the Holy Spirit fully in you. Manchmal frage ich mich, wenn alles andere versagt und zerbricht, was bleibt zurück? Warum sind wir von überall hierher gekommen? Weil am Ende vom Tag nichts anderes Bestand hat. Wie würde das aussehen? Was wären die Konsequenzen von etwas so Radikalem? Wie würde es aussehen, Jesus tatsächlich zu folgen? Freundschaften können zerbrechen, Karriere vergehen und am Ende wird Reichtum wertlos. 
Er weckt einen Durst für Wahrheit, Mitgefühl und Liebe, den nichts auf dieser Welt jemals löschen kann. Worauf können wir also wirklich unser Leben, unsere Hoffnung bauen? Es gibt nur die einzige Sache, wenn alles gesagt und getan ist. Er allein ist unser Fels, unsere Mitte und unser Fundament.